Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Man, we are excited. The Rolex 24 hours at Daytona is wrapped up today. Never fails to impress. And hey, I love that it's opposite of the Super Bowl thing at the end of the season. I love it's a great way to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad it's not head to head with the Super Bowl. That would be that would suck. Yeah, but, I'd hate to think what happened to the Super Bowl audience. Yeah, we're excited. We also have a special guest in the studio. We have Price Cobb. Price, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks again for having me back. And, and, and indeed, you can imagine I was up almost all night watching the race. Uh, I like the rest of us are a little bleary eyed today. For sure. I, I, I actually, at one point I woke up and I went, uh, I'm just going to flip it on. And I turned on the audio and stuck in my headphones and we kind of went back to sleep. I didn't really hear anything. I woke up about an hour later and thought, I wonder what's in my brain now. But anyway, <laughs> but I watched and listened to, I don't know how many different, all different devices as usual, carrying my phone around. But yeah, uh, it was actually a really great race because we had fantastic weather. Unlike last year. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I've reflected back to the only time I've ever woken up in the middle of the night from a, a tentative sleep because I was one of those, I don't know what you want to uh, label me as, but one of those that couldn't figure out how to sleep when I wasn't in the car as if I could affect anything else while yeah. I'm not in the car. And even then only poorly. And all of a sudden they called the race because of the weather, at least temporarily. They red flagged the race and I woke up because there was no sound. It was the oddest oh, thing I've yeah. ever experienced. Yeah. Nonetheless, fabulous race. What can I say? Yeah. So what is, what's your history with the Rolex 24 at Daytona? You know, I hate it when people ask me stuff like that because <laughs> I don't really remember. I was there often enough to say that <laughs> I don't need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about Les said he wants to go ahead and go, and Price said, yeah, I'm going to watch it from the sofa. <laughs> yeah, while he's running around with all the crazies. <laughs> I will be enjoying life at home. There you go. Well, we're hoping to get somebody from Daytona to call in here in a bit. We got the IMSA guys working on that for us. And we have an interview we did that Les did this morning with, actually yesterday morning, with Phil Hansen, who's going to be here in Austin racing with the World Endurance Championship on February 23rd when it when WEC comes back to Coda. We're excited about. So we got that interview. And so we'll see who we get from Daytona. But... Uh, I think I want to talk about, and we'll talk about the race. In fact, let's just jump in and talk about the race first, because there were the big stories were, you know, is Cadillac going to be able to hold off Mazda? And they did. And and who was it? Kobayashi that drove the last, I don't know how many hours. It, it was a pretty good stint. Several. Yeah, yeah, pretty good stint. Of course, Scott Dixon, Ryan Briscoe, Ringer Van Der Zand in that car, and the Cadillac DPI continues its domination. But you know what? The Mazda looked fast, didn't it? Very, very fast. And I was really happy to see that. You know, I've got some distant relations with the people that look after the Mazda engine. So it's fun for me to see as one friend to another. Uh, indeed, they mentioned to me that over the winter, they'd looked hard at making the cars more reliable. We've seen the Mazda win last year in the sprint races, but always something raised its ugly head and slowed the car down. Now, let's not forget, I'm, all you fans, that the Mazda engine's the smallest one. It's highly turbocharged. It runs about 9,000, 9,000 plus RPM. Whereas the Cadillac V8, I don't know that it sees the other side of seven. Well, that would be an idol for the Mazda. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. So it's 9,000 on that on that Mazda. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, relentlessly. Another thing to remember, too, that 
uh, from the sound of the Cadillac, it sounds like they have a normal, what we would all call a normal crankshaft, which means the engine's very naturally smooth. Well, you know, an inline four cylinder, as we all know, any bikers out there is inherently vibration, master vibrator. Sure. So it would destroy the chassis all on its own. Yeah. That's what they're talking about. The cattle, I mean, the Corvette with the new flat plane, when they talked about the oil leak, the number of car, number four car had, they were saying maybe it was due to the vibrations of the right. flat plane. They're trying, you know, trying to iron all that stuff out. But, but yeah, so that was Wayne Taylor racing that won in the DPI class. And let's just talk about all the way down the, the grid because, um, so it was Cadillac and then Mazda in the DPI and second with Nunez and Oliver Jarvis and Olivier Pla. And then, and then the, the next Cadillac, Sebastian Bourdais, Luke Duval and Joao Barbosa in the next Cadillac. And then, um, let's jump down to the, uh, to the GT Daytona. I mean, the LMP2, let's do that first because, um, Harrison Newey, uh, Adrian Newey's son, was in that Orca LMP2 that came that that won the LMP2 class with Ben Hanley and Henrik and Henrik Hedman and Colin Braun, but yeah, I, I was telling somebody about that. I didn't even know knew he was was uh, was over here, and but he's having a good, pretty good career. Have you been following it, Price? Well, I certainly know his father. Yeah, uh, for many reasons. <laughs> the closest I ever got to him, I got to know him pretty well when we raced at the 24 Hours of Dubai one year. He's quite the driver himself. Is he? And, yes, and. Uh, Sadly, he, uh, in, in these, uh, like the 24 hour race that we have here, you know, it's an odd way that you refuel cars, but, but done in purposely so that you don't have to have a whole team of people to refuel the car. So they, they have sort of, after you're done with the pit, they have a sort of a separate set of gas pumps that you have to drive up to and put the, uh, the pump in the car. So unfortunately in Dubai, at the end of the pit lane, it was a hard right and a hard left to get to the gas pump. Uh, Adrian was looking at, you know how sometimes you're going to turn some direction oddly. And so out of your peripheral, you're looking, you know, you're not really looking, but you could see to turn the wheel. So you get all of the turning radius out of your car. And just before he did that, he hit something on the right-hand side. It was one of those odd freak things, damaged something on the Reese Ferrari <laughs> that had never failed. So they didn't have a part. They were absolutely going to win that race. So Uh, I'm not trying to tear down Adrian that, but I got to know him because the same team and the same, we shared the same garage. We had a Porsche. He had that car. He would have won. He's a pretty good racer, I guess, but he's a decent CFD engineer as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's, you know, and he's super creative and he's just such a likable guy. So anyway, his son, I don't know, but I wouldn't mind mentioning Ken, Ben Keating before we get to that point. We're talking about a gentleman racer. Who put that car, their car in that class on the pole, and you guys, who's doing the double? Two different cars, two different classes. Having raced most of my life, I can tell you that takes a specific mindset. My hats off to the guy. I can't tell you how cool that is. Yeah, and he put a lot of hours in the car. Oh well, yeah, you're telling talking about how he was oh, managing yeah. the hours. Yeah, they said that, you know he had a maximum amount of hours to. To, to be in each car and everything. And he managed it on his own little digital watch, apparently. I was like, but, can't you get somebody to help with that? But, but you know, the same token, <laughs> you know how it is. It gets so crazy sometimes in the pits. Whoever yeah. that would have been ch- chosen to do that, you never know what if it taken its attention away, then you're a host. And as Ben said, it takes it ruins both team efforts. If Ben were to get in trouble for the time allotments or overstepping those, right. both teams would suffer, not one. Oh, uh, that's a so good point. So he puts point. it on himself. So he put it on himself, which yeah, is the right thing go. to do. That's what I would have yeah, done. Yeah, that's true. I'm not that, I wouldn't have chosen not to do it, but it's what I yeah. would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you wouldn't have been in that position no in the way. first place. No, yeah. No way. Nine hours guaranteed minimum to uh, be in the two cars? No, thank you. I expect nothing less from a Texan, though, Ben Keating. Man. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was here in Austin last week, just stopped in for a little uh, World Endurance Championship press deal. Fantastic. Because, you know, he'll be here racing in the World Endurance right. Championship right. on February 23rd. Right. So he's a busy guy. Very he busy is. guy. And uh, one of the things that I've shared with people throughout my uh, short career was that the one thing that I truly love about motorsports is that some of us weren't gifted a body like a basketball player would be or a football player, but it's the, the interface between a human and machine that makes it so spectacular. So literally anybody with the will to do it can do it. Uh, I'm not saying Ben's that guy, but I believe there's plenty of other guys we could say that they couldn't drive a nail through a wet paper bag, but they wanted to so badly they taught themselves to do it, and there you go. Yeah. You know, I always feel like there's, you know, I enjoy driving a classic car more than I do a modern car. Just flat out, there's there's nothing to it for me. But I'm always curious, Mr. Uh, Senior, what are the differences do you, that are drastic between the cars of the early 90s to now uh, that you see out on track? I mean, we see all the technology. How does that actually affect the driver, though? You know, uh, last great question. I don't know of all the nuances, but I'll tell you what I think I know, and that's a scary thought. <laughs> so certainly, towards the end of my career, the cars were still very, very basic. Stick shift, like a, a normal in a street car you'd be, not not paddle shifting. Stir pot. Stick shift, H pattern, whatever. Uh, clutch. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no nannies, which means no ABS, no traction, traction. control, no yaw control, nothing. So it, it was on your shoulders to tour, sort of mind all those things. I, I can recall, uh, to sort of sidestep your question just a little bit, that the difficulty with driving the Jaguar in Europe, because then we'll get back to this new rules coming up between IMSA and uh, yeah. uh, FIA, but the Jag that we used in Europe uh, was a 7-liter version of the Jag we ran in the United States. So other than the engine size, they were the same. But, so having said all that, the difficulty with at Le Mans during the race, you had to mind your fuel usage, but you had no, it was all mechanical. So it was up to you to do it. But here was an engine that was so torquey and so powerful that as soon as you spun the tires, we call it hazing the tires off yeah. any corner. It so killed the tires. Now your mileage starts going away, but it's harder yet because you've already ruined the tires. <laughs> so it's like, darn if you do, darn if you don't. Anyway, also power steering is a big issue today. Uh, many, you know, the, your head supported in a greater manner. I think they've done a lot to help the driver, but particularly to keep from getting hurt in an impact yeah. if something goes sure. wrong. So consequently, I'm pretty sure that most cars today on the upper end of the scale have to run an air conditioner so that the car is never over 120 degrees F in our, for example, the Jag was always 150 F or more. Wow. So but this is not good for you. So I really appreciate the way, how far they've gone in what directions they've gone in. Yeah, yeah safety well, for You sure. mentioned uh, the Jaguar. So that was Silk Cut Jaguar. Correct. And uh, Price and I messaged back and forth a little bit about it. Simon Paginot credits the Silk Cut Jaguar at Le Mans for being the car that made him fall in love with racing. So <laughs> how's that for some cool trivia there? <laughs> That's super cool because obviously Simon, one heck of a guy. You know, it was great for me to see his sort of resurgence last year. Uh, you know, having one indie and, and a few other things because we knew him as one of the best of the best. But you know how it is. And in, in all of life, I remind everybody, if the chemistry is not right for you that year and that team, it's not going to work. I don't care who you are. It's too bloody competitive. 
We're talking about tenths of a degree, you know, just a little bit that makes you the superstar or not. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's go and take our first break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the Rolex and get to the GT uh, Le Mans class because that's where really I think some of the most exciting race was of the whole weekend. So you listen to Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. Super Lap Battle USA is back at the Circuit of Americas February 15th and 16th. It's the ultimate time attack challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned track-built cars. Lone Star Drift ride-alongs, grid-like touring cup race, food trucks, a car show, and more. Don't miss Australian drivers Brett Diggy and Barton Maurer. And see the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR back to defend its time of 207-181. Admission is only 10 bucks for the whole weekend of family fun. More at SuperLapBattleUSA.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town, in your favorite store, or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Can't help but smile when I hear Mario bringing us back. Hey, I, I just heard, okay, quick deviation. Because we got Price Cobb. So I want to hear the story about you sitting on a curb in Paris and who steps up behind you. We <laughs> had gone to the Palace of Versailles um, just with our children and something to do. Didn't realize it was closed. And, and I'm going to presume that was on a Monday because the race would have dragged out. You know, when you finish up Sunday afternoon and we're sitting there with the children and, and letting them know how cool this place really is. And, of course, they have no clue to what it means to the world yet, but it's beautiful. And all of a sudden, we hear somebody speaking, and I'll have the story wrong. But who, who is it, of course, but Mario Andretti. And, and, and it's not like we're super close by any means, but we've obviously known each other for years. And, and you know, you, you look back for me at Mario and Parnelli and AJ, guys that are just, to me, absolute superstars. Oh, yeah. When you look at what they've accomplished or were allowed to accomplish, whereas today you're, you're stuck in a, a certain type of racing car, that's all you're going to do. Uh, how cool is that? And he comes walking up and both basically <laughs> we're both sort of chuckling that, you know, nimwit Americans didn't bother to look at <laughs> when the hours were. <laughs> so here we are. There oh, you go. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. In good such company. a humble... Oh, humble guy, though, you know, he he would freely Super. admit that he messed up or whatever. Yep. He's such a great guy. Yep. Yep. He is, I think, he's the, the ambassador, at least in the United States, for all of motorsports, yeah, I feel sure. like. For sure. Hey, I just want to touch on um, some breaking news um, that Kobe Bryant apparently has was among the people that died in a helicopter crash today. Man. So sorry to hear that. That's just, uh, you look back to it, at what yeah. he's achieved and what he's meant to young people in the United States, if not the world, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, that is horrific. 
And I, you know, being here in Austin, I can't think back to how many years ago Stevie Ray Vaughan died in a helicopter oh, crash. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm. Know exactly where I was when I heard that. Yeah, that's uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all his family and everyone around him. But uh, well, let's talk about uh, the Rolex because we were coming into the uh, the, the GT Le Mans class when we were going down the grid there, and that was some great racing with the BMW M8 and the Porsche 911 and the Corvette C8R. He smiles extra big when he says it, says that. You notice that price? <laughs> I can't help it, man. I I've owned a few Corvettes, but but that was some great racing. What did you think, Les? How much of that did you get to see? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, I mean it it didn't get boring for a long time, but there was a lot of confidence in those Corvettes. And Wayne Taylor obviously puts together a great team. Uh I find it I just got to wonder what uh, conversations at the dinner table are like now when Wayne has got his team and uh, his two boys are on other teams now. <laughs> That's got to be awkward. Well, yeah, we had Jordan Taylor on uh, getting ready. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's great that the Corvette did this well right out of the box. I know they've done a lot of engineering and a lot of practicing and everything, you know, getting, getting ready. Um, but still, your first race? I mean, that's pretty impressive, really, fourth place. I mean, I, you have to agree, but I'll tell you, set all that aside. What's cool to me as a Yank is you look at Corvette, you can buy a mid-engine Corvette today for, what, 60000 bucks. Look at its competition. Yeah. And so you get, I'm going to make this up now, folks. Don't hold me. Don't shoot me. I'm a messenger. For one-third the price, you get 70% of any of the best cars in the world. Now, you probably can option up that Corvette to be the equal my point is, bang for the buck, nothing can touch it. I can't imagine other manufacturers aren't worried. Yeah. And you know for what? Sure. And, yeah. and, you know, the Corvette has always been the king of bang for buck. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I think now that they've, the from I haven't actually even seen one in person yet, but everything that I'm reading is not only does the car perform in a straight line, best bang for buck, but also they're talking about uh, the transmission's amazing uh, the the cornering and and the, the balance of the car is really good. They they say if there is something that's not supercar level, it's the brakes. They're only only really really good, but the interior and everything else about the car is world class. I mean, and that I was I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but I had my Motor Trend and it had the new Ferrari, the new McLaren, and the new Corvette, and the fastest to sixty was the Corvette, and all the the G ratings and all of them were basically the same, and they were. You know, one of them, the the Corvette that that was as fast was like seventy five thousand. The other, the McLaren was two ten, and the Ferrari was two eighty or right. whatever. I mean, that, the fact that you can have a car that's really just as good in almost every way—it's crazy. Yeah, to, to me, it defies logic, and I'm super excited as a diehard uh, American. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, it is. It's very cool. So, you did know, you guys were... see towards the end of the race the two nine the nine eleven and the nine twelve car? Going at it pretty good. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it looked like you could end up somebody crashing, but that's how good that race, that class was, toward, especially towards the end of the race. You know, th there were several things that caught my eye around uh, around this race this time. The uh, At one point, and I don't know if it lasted the rest of the race, there was six minute, excuse me, six hours and 48 minutes of green flag racing, which set a record yeah. for it. That is a long, long time for such a long race to have a green flag, not get a yellow, not get a red, not get a flag for any other reason. That is uh, astounding to me and, quite honestly, a testament to the racers. Well, also, DNFs. We only had, what, four? But you Were, were you going to say, Bryce? Well, no, I mean, I was just going to 
follow up in Les's words. It's so rare. Uh, but back to John's points that people, drivers made the fewest mistakes I've seen in ages. Uh, I, I think some of them are finally listening. Um, and, and you can actually reflect back to when Helio got, uh, had a moment with Tinknell on the Mazda. Yeah. And I have to agree with Helio. I said, dude, it's four hours into the race. Mm-hmm. What were you trying to prove? And even worse, the frustration he had of he was telling his engineers to let them know, look, you're going to get by me. Just bide your time. Yeah, patience. Yeah. Anyway, I reflect back to when I used to race and way back when, you know, dirt was dirt. And John Bishop <laughs> would stand up in front of all of us and remind us, 24 hours. Got nothing to prove. Yeah, right what's your hurry? Head. Don't. Half yeah. the time, and even to this day, I try to encourage youngsters to think about uh, payday. And at the beginning of a 24-hour race, there is no payday. So why don't you just follow somebody around for forever? I know it maybe not. it's not as exciting to the fans. Actually, we could also argue it might because it looks like you're racing as, as exciting as could be. But that guy ahead of you may go into the pits and not come out. You may beat him without ever stretching, you know, stepping outside of what you might do. So why it doesn't come down to a true racing until it's true racing. Give it a while to develop, let what might happen, happen, and then take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's just too crazy to rush a 24 hour race. I did check. It looks like there were six cars, Six out of 38. So back when you were right. racing, how many, how many out of, you know, out of the field? I mean, okay, tongue-in-cheek, you might only end up with six cars, yeah. but, but <laughs> yeah. still, cars will yeah. fail. But, and that's also a testament to engineers today and, yeah. and the people bolting the cars together. I mean, let's face it, the, car, the race today is truly a sprint race. I think it was just beginning to be that way at the end of my uh, time in the seat. But, you know, you reflect back to, I was watching something the other day from – Carol Shelby talking about, you know, with something to do with Ford versus Ferrari, what have you. And he talked about, you know, you can't get in the car and drive flat out. Not back in the day, but today the cars are that bloody good. Right, right. Hey, speaking of Ford versus Ferrari, five Academy Award uh, yeah. nominations for that. Fantastic. Ah. Fantastic. Well, I certainly enjoyed that. And again, when I first, and as I've shared with you guys, when I first became a, truly aware and enamored with motor racing, it was a Ford GT that made me crazy. Mm-hmm. All of us crazy, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even as little kids, but yeah, yeah, including Best Picture with one of those nominations. So it wasn't just us that loved it; <laughs> everyone else did too. Uh, so let's look at the GTD class, GTD Daytona. Uh, let's see the Paul Miller Racing guys in the Lamborghini Huracan with Brian Sellers, Corey Lewis, Madison Snow, and Adrian Adria Caldarelli ahead of. Um, they won that class ahead of the GT Magnus with Andy Lally and Spencer Papelli. Man, I love it. I, I, I We're up to about 50% of every race I've been on the show before. I was like, everybody has been on this show. It's very cool to see all these That's names. Well, you know what's funny was, uh, let's see if I can find that note, but I think Andy Lally has eight Daytona watches so far. Wow. And only two wrists. so it would have been cool for us because we've worked a lot with uh brian sellers and andy lally right uh i may have shared that story with y'all when andy was driving with darren lall our sort of lmp2 car it's not the same but there was sort of a class back in the day and we just rebuilt it prepping it for the last half of the year he was at vir to test the car and had a brand new gearbox i mean physically brand new not just rebuilt brand spanking new and the suspension was bolted to the gearbox and going around at the end of the first hot lap, the, the plate that mounted suspension on the tr- uh, transmission pulled out. So the car, big instant wreck. Well, the car took off because the back end hit uh. the ground and it left. 
So all we go running down to the end of the straightaway word about Andy. He gets out. All he wanted to know was how high he went. So he had his <laughs> cell phone on. He looked at the, the, the track and it was, it was, 50 feet. That's all he cares. That's all he cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all good. All hey, good. We, we need to take a break. But before we do, Price, tell everybody what you're doing now with Tread Connection. This is well, really, really cool business, by the way. You know, ironically, so uh, through thick and thin, my wife is still heavily involved with racing. She goes around the country renting tracks. When you rent a track, there's nobody there to change tires. We met some guys out of North Carolina two years ago. Fast forward to today, we convinced them to franchise and we think the timing's right, and they asked us to purchase one. So we're here in, in uh, Austin area, uh, happily coming to you. Tread whatever connection. it is, selling yeah. you tires and mounting and balancing them at your place, at the spa, at the golf club. That's what we're doing. So I spoke Love to a group it. the other day, and you know, I told them about Tread Connection. And I said, here's the thing. said, you know, this is go about your life. Go to the PTA meeting. Go do your, you know, whatever it is. And you can set an appointment and never skip a beat. And you don't have to go sit at the tire store. Bingo. Your time's you worth something. You don't have to meet me if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to see his face. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. I hope you guys are getting more and more just regular, you know, job, regular tire change jobs. I know you're doing lots at the racetracks and stuff, right. too. So, yeah, it's we have growing. to think we'll that We'll be way. at the WC race because one of our mutual friends is sort of occupying the track between the WC time slots. Yeah. So they've asked us to come out. So we'll be out there and enjoying all of the above. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get our break done. And uh, when we come back, we're going to play that interview we did with Phil Hansen, who's going to be here for the World Endurance Championship. Listen to Speed City in Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives. Only water, malt, hops, and yeast. And absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. As a rider, you know what you like, the power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. 
All right, we're going to jump right into this interview. A young gentleman by the name of Phil Hansen is coming to Austin to race in the World Endurance Championship, and Les caught up with him yesterday. So Great guy. Yeah, let's hear that interview now. All righty, folks, we're definitely getting excited for the Lone Star Le Mans taking place out at the Circuit of the Americas February 22nd and 23rd. It's one of those events that is uh, fantastic from a fan aspect. You get full access to the paddock visiting around the garages meeting the teams from around the world truly it's a great overall experience definitely something bring your kids 12 and under are free for this race and and like i said fantastic access with us today we've got phil hansen fantastic uh, racer coming up he'll be joining us out for the lone star lamont phil welcome to speed city Hi, Les. Thank you for having me. Hey, we're excited to have FIA WEC coming back and uh, you joining us as well. But I know a lot of folks don't know who Phil Hansen is. How about a quick intro all the way back to the start? How did you get started in the motor racing? Uh, well, I think like a lot of people through go-karts um, at a young age, well, it's funny because when I actually started, it, I was around the age of like 13, 14, which is considered quite late in, uh, in go-karting especially. So I say a young age, but I think to anyone in the industry, you're probably thinking I'm starting quite late. But um, unfortunately, that's just how I got into it. Uh, just basically yeah, in local club karting and my, my local like pay and play sort of uh, go-karts. And that's how I got into it. And then through there, I progressed into um, what was then the British Championship called Super One. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years and won the championship. Um, that, you know, to be fair, it was a week year when I won it, but better than coming second in a week year. Um, and then from then I just progressed into cars and uh, up through the ranks, basically GTs, LMP3 and then LMP2. Well, we say young folks and, uh, currently you're 20 years old and you've got an amazing, uh, record for being the young guy on track, uh, not only at Lamar, but a few other locations. What's it like to walk in and, uh, get onto a grid against, uh, your elders, I guess. Yeah, it's a funny one because uh, I, I see it as a massive advantage because obviously the sport has gone quite young recently with a lot of people entering Formula One in, uh, at the ages of like, you know, crazy ages of like, you know, 17, 18, 19. Like Lando's my age doing extremely well and like Max Verstappen started at, you know, the youngest driver to ever be in an F1 car. So, um, so the sport is moving quite young. But at the same time in endurance racing, it's always a step behind because people are coming out of Formula One and people that haven't quite made it like formula two so um so it's interesting that you get a different pool of people that are probably the same talent but just didn't have the right timing so they're at a later age in their career so i think anywhere between late 20s and mid 30s and uh, i'm in a, that exact pool of drivers but at such a young age and i, I see it as a massive advantage because i can just i can i know i have a much longer career ahead of myself than, than the other drivers and i can learn so much more essentially Absolutely. One of the things that I find astounding is you're not just earning your spot on the grid. You are actually welcomed. You you have you know you mentioned Lando that you've been around quite a bit, as well as Fernando Alonso. That's got to be amazing. I mean, just me meeting him was was exciting. I can't imagine being out on the track and truly being associated with him. Yeah, and that was a funny one because I, I kept on being asked questions like, "What's it like sharing the car with Fernando? Has he been much experience to you and the team?" I'm thinking, yeah, but um it's actually he's he knows the car worse than i do you know i've i've been in the car there for for just over just under a year so um so with in terms of knowledge and of endurance racing he was he was a novice in the car and at that age i think i was 19 or 18 back in daytona um i was the one bringing the experience which was a really funny dynamic to be fair 
Oh, yeah. And uh, Daytona is uh, such an astounding race itself. So let's fast forward uh, to your current state. You are uh, getting out there in another uh, LMP2. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, the LMP2 is just a, a pleasure to drive. Um, we, we struggled a little bit last year, um, and we made a switch from Ligier to Orica um, for many reasons, but um, we found it just seems to work now a lot better. I think we were we were hindering ourselves a little bit in the Ligier, and um, and moving to the Orica, we we found immediate success. We were, I think, the first weekend we had a double header in Weck and Ilames, uh in England at Silverstone, and um, we yeah we were able to in in practice people do different things, but we were able to be the fastest in every practice session immediately from having a new car. So that was a really big thing for us because we we'd always been sort of battling to be at the top five, top ten in the Ligier, and the moment we switched to what seemed to be an equal playing field with everyone else we were we were quick and um we've managed to carry on that success throughout the remainder of that year having a couple of podiums in WEC and then finishing the year in our last race in Bahrain with the win which was my first world endurance championship win and the first with the team um and hopefully we can carry that success on into next year fantastic year. united autosports uh, definitely has got you in a good seat now it's going well i if I recall correctly, this may be your first time coming to the Circuit of the Americas. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it, especially, I mean, I was a bit hesitant with all the all the complaints from the drivers about the bumps, but I hear it's being resurfaced. So we'll be able to to feel what it's like when it was at its prime. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested and I'm really excited to go to Austin and Texas. I've never really traveled around America, apart from being to Florida for Sebring and uh, Daytona. That was really my first taste of America. So I'm quite excited to travel to a new place. And um, Dakota looks like a great track. You know, from what I see, the first sector, it just, it looks unbelievable. So I'm really looking forward to it. It should be, it should be tricky for me because a lot of the drivers that I'll be up against will have been there for their third, fourth, fifth time. Um, and I'll have to be learning on the first weekend, but I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. And just really excited to get out on track. Fantastic. You're right. Uh, a lot of resurfacing done those bumps that tormented everybody, uh, those are pretty much gone now. I've, I've seen a little bit of it already uh, surfaced and folks out looking at it. Looks good. Uh, certainly, Austin is a great place. You'll find that Austin is just a few minutes from the track and uh, lots of music, lots of great food, lots of tacos. Honestly, just lots of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I hear there's like a crazy burger bar. I forget the name, but... Um... Obviously, America is known for for large amounts of food, you know. I, I just and burgers, especially. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait. You know, I'll screw the race and drive a diet. I'm just really looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get you into uh, whatever your appetite wants. We'll help you get there. But uh, fantastic. So uh, here you come. You're coming to Austin. Getting set. What should we expect this year from you and United Autosport? Well, I think the end of last year kind of showed what we were really capable of. We had a lot of issues with the car, with it being a new car for the team that were inevitable, I think. Um, but the team got on top of them. And then we had a, a crazy thing happen in Shanghai where the sticker actually came off from just above our windscreen where you normally have your title sponsor or in our case, the United Autosports team logo. And that managed to suck itself into the air duct. So we, what we lost in the first stint from the power loss, which was like nearly 20 kilometers on every straight, um, we would have gained back. If we, if we added that onto our ending result, you know, all the time that we lost through that, we would have won the race. Um, so then when we went to Bahrain, an eight-hour race with absolutely no issues, we were able to perform 
to a, to the equal standard and, and win the race. So I think if we can continue that momentum onto this year, which I believe we will, um, my teammates are more than capable. I mean, Paul DeResta obviously is a massive name in the sport with uh, his F1 appearances in the past and then uh, his DTM success and Philippe and endurance racing, especially, you know, uh, having been an LMP1 and DTM and things like that. Um, he brings a, a wealth of knowledge and experience to the team. So I think from the team's perspective, from being able to get on top of the car, I think there's there's no more I can ask them now. The car's performing, it's quick and reliable, hopefully. Um, and my teammates are doing a great job. And I, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to push as hard as I can to to make sure I'm on the level playing, playing field with them because they're the two probably fastest drivers in, in the sport at the moment in LMP2. So uh, amongst all the great drivers, I think it's a, it's a very... It's a very tight net of um of top performance drivers. So uh, I'm I'm always trying to just equal them and sometimes outpace them and sometimes they'll be quicker than me at other tracks. But as long as we can all as an average be there or thereabouts, we should be strong. Fantastic. That is so awesome, Phil. Well, I know you're gonna enjoy Austin. I hope you have a great race. Travel safe and absolutely thanks for joining us here on Speed City. Yeah, no worries. Thank you a lot for having me. Yep, World Endurance Championship coming here. Young guy like that, exciting. Get ready, here yeah. we go. Yeah, it's, I like what he said about the whole sport going young. Every from Max Verstappen and you know everybody. There's so many young drivers. It's crazy. Like, I mean, can, Price, can you imagine these guys? I mean, were you that mature and ready to go racing <laughs> at 17, 18 years old? Certainly not. I was <laughs> last night during the 24 hour. I was watching uh, Colton Herta be interviewed. Here's a young man who's 19 years old. I, I, I'm not sure I knew how to tie my shoes when I was 19 years old, so it's sort of mind-bending or mind-altering. Now, I can say, though, John, to your point today, is that, uh, I mean, it's time for the old guys to move on. I mean, it, to me, it's ex an exciting time to be in motorsports. Let's get the new guys on in, and let's keep going. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and that way we can run into the show, and uh, we'll continue to talk a little Daytona. we got another guest coming on, too, so stay tuned. Back after these messages. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Super Lap Battle USA is back at the Circuit of Americas February 15th and 16th. It's the ultimate time attack challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully tuned track-built cars. Lone Star Drift ride-alongs, grid-like touring cup race, food trucks, a car show, and more. Don't miss Australian drivers Brett Diggy and Barton Maurer and see the Life Motorsports Nissan GTR back to defend its time of 207-181. Admission is only 10 bucks for the whole weekend of family fun. More at SuperLapBattleUSA.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. 
I saw Jeff Gordon on the NBC coverage this weekend for Daytona. Yeah, the last time I saw Jeff Gordon, he was on uh, the United States Grand Prix grid with me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. When he came, that's probably where that interview, I mean, that little bumper just came from. Uh, we're excited because we have Price Cobb in studio, race driver extraordinaire, and just general all-around good I know guy. I pick his brain so much, but it's such a great resource. I know. Come on. Man, you know, our resources in Austin are growing. You know, like we've had Dave O'Neill, former Haas F1 team manager on the show a bunch, lives, lives in Austin, and uh, we got our, our, our city is becoming Speed City. Well, but it's, it's a cool destination no matter that we get people coming here anyway. Yeah. All right, Les, I want you to introduce our next guest. Oh, man, this is fun. So last year we talked about this, the Super Lap Battle USA, and I said, y'all need to come next year. If you didn't make it, this is it. Cuban Rodriguez is joining us to uh, add to the excitement and tell us what the second year is bringing up. Hey, Cuban, welcome to Speed City. Hey, thanks so much for having us, guys. How you guys doing? Doing great. great. Dude, I got to tell you, last year I had so much fun seeing all of the amazing cars the, the the wild ideas that people put into cars <laughs> to go out and compete in super lap battle but uh tell you what let's back up to the beginning let's imagine nobody's heard of this tell them what to expect absolutely so um just to go into your little intro there real quick austin is speed city uh <laughs> we've been doing time attack for i mean me personally i've been following us time attack since 2005 but we've been involved in it since 2010 and super lap battle usa is a place where Time Attack competitors can come and be on the biggest stage possible to show off their builds, their skill, basically the heart and soul they put into their car. Uh, Time Attack has always been a grassroots motorsport, still to this day is, but it's always been held at tracks like Button Willow, California, Road Atlanta. Um, we do events in New Jersey Motorsport Park. Grid Life does them at Gingerman, uh, Road America. These have always been great tracks, but they're not the world stage. So Super Lap Battle USA is a place where we wanted everyone to see what these cars could bring at the most pinnacle track in the United States, which just happens to be in your hometown of Austin. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm, I, I, I couldn't even explain to you. I've been doing this with them since basically day one. I haven't been emceeing since day one. They had to push me into that, but <laughs> I've been with global time attack, super lab battle since day one. And being at a FIA grade one facility, it's, it's an eye opener, even as a, a spectator. I mean, I have it, the whole year passed. People are still contacting me. Oh, my God, that was amazing. Are you coming back? And we want to let the world know, especially your locals in Austin, that we are coming back, and this is here to stay. Yeah, so what's the date? Is it uh, February 15th? So Super Lab Battle, we're back at Circuit City America February 15th and 16th of this year. So it's going to be a Saturday and Sunday, just like last year. And to give people out there a little, a little view, we actually have more going on this year. So we still have those rocket ship cars that you saw. We'll go over those soon. But we also have Grid Life Touring Cup. Uh, Grid Life is another time attack organization, and they also run something called GLTC. It's a wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing with, uh, with tuner cars. So these are wheel-to-wheel -wheel races held over an extended period of time. And these are their, a lot of these competitors are time attack competitors that have moved to their wheel-to-wheel -wheel series. Um, and it's very exciting racing. It's it's super fun to watch because, like you brought up IndyCar, Indy's so exciting to watch because the field is so close. Well, these Grid Life Touring Cup cars, they're super close. We have uh, Lone Star Drift will be back out there. They'll be doing demos and just like last year, doing ride-alongs. So any of your fans out there that want to see what drifting is like and actually feel the Gs they pull and the car control they have, you can actually pay to go on ride-alongs. We'll have a car show there both days. And, I mean, the fun this year should be twice as much as it was last year. I know you guys had a blast. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, I know part of that drift crowd, you've got two of the top competitors in uh, this part of the country coming. Fielder Shredding, who you probably <laughs> saw on Hyperdrive, did amazing. Yep. And uh, amazing. Harrison Johnson is uh, going to be here as well. Uh, it's going to be great seeing those guys. I will tell you, Harrison is not as well known as Fielding, but uh, I've watched him truly since he was an infant. His father and I co-drove way back in the way back when. Not quite as oh, far as price, but yeah, so fantastic right talent. That's hey, incredible. hey, don't be disparaging. <laughs> no, he's the one that said he was old and, and tenured. I'm not that tenured. <laughs> or tenured. old. <laughs> we're, we're all old. <laughs> but Cuban, here's what I think is cool. The garages are open. The paddock is open. Everybody gets access. You get to meet the builders, the drivers. You get to see all this. Some of these are built, I swear, in like one and a half car garages, you know. And then others, you well, can tell, have a little more resource to them. Well, it's really funny, though, because the cars that you think have more resource, like let's look into um, the, the winner of last year, uh, Life Motorsports, that GTR that looks like a rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> that is a privately funded car. Even though it is Life Motorsports car, Cole Powelson and Kyle Schick, they're the ones that put their hearts and soul to that car. So they run a shop every day, Life Motorsports, and they actually have amazing things going on with their Sierra race cars. I don't know if you've seen those or if your fans have, but I would Neat. you know, take five minutes out of your day and look up Sierra race cars. These things are incredible. Um, but these, that car, the pinnacle of what we would call U.S. time attack, you know, we didn't get to see the quote-unquote fastest uh, time attack car in the U.S., William L. Young. He could not make it because he was in Japan competing at, uh, at attack at Scuba, but the Life Motorsports GTR is still a car that is built in a small garage. Now, they were willing to spend money on outsourcing things like carbon uh, aero packages, this and that. But the beautiful thing about Time Attack is none of it is production-based. You don't have Ford, GM, Toyota, Honda, Nissan building cars to come out, though that is the end game. We would love to see that. Every car you see out there that looks unattainable began as a road car that someone just put a little bit more time and effort into every year. Well, talk about the format and the way that uh, that the weekend looks like. What is that? What, what do we expect? So, just like any other time attack event, we're going to have multiple sessions. Um, I believe it's going to be four sessions each day for time attack. So, you get four 15 to 20 minute sessions to go out and set your fastest lap. We always do things based on speed index. So, what that means is, you know, every session is going to have cars that are closely grouped to each other, and we release them in intervals, you know, 20, 25 seconds. So you have all the time and all the track space in the world to run your fastest lap. Of course, this is time attack. So it doesn't matter if you run your fastest lap the very first session of the first day or the last session of the last day. That is the lap that matters. Um, being a super lap battle, we also have one thing that we, um, that we added to it. The top three to five competitors of each class, we have, of course, four classes, four true time attack classes and one exhibition class. And I'll get into that exhibition class later. These guys get to go out and set what we call a super session. So at the last session of the last day, you will be out on track by yourself. This is where the nerves are going to kick in. This is where everyone is watching only you. The camera's following you around the entire lap. And this is your chance to basically put yourself in the record books, go out there and go, Hey, I'm by myself. I need to get out of my head. I just need to be one with the car and set the fastest lap possible. So you will see four sessions each day of time attack. And then on top of that, each day you will also see a great uh, grid life touring cup race. So the GLTC racing is going to be very exciting. You're going to have some HPD, um, 
like Pirelli World Challenge style race cars, you know, uh, the 1.5 Civic SI. I know Sally McNulty will be running that. And then you'll have a bunch of other people, like you said, that may not be known, but these guys are flying. They're fast. So you can expect basically nonstop action on track. And um, I'm sure you guys caught part of it or all of it. I'm sorry you have to listen to my voice for two days straight. But uh, the live stream is basically rolling the whole time we have cars on track. We have coverage of 95% of the track. We only lose the cars for two to three seconds when they go through turn 19 coming onto the front straight from 19 to 20. We just can't get the angle there, but we have them covered on the rest of the facility. A hundred percent. Fantastic. We'll be sharing that feed as well that weekend. Make sure everybody can catch up folks. If you can't be there in person, that's where you catch it. But if you can yeah. be there in person, you know what? It's 10 Tickets bucks. are available guys. Superlapbattleusa.com. It's only $10 for the weekend. This gives you full pit access. Like you said, you actually brought up a point that's great. And we wanted to make sure people knew was this isn't NASCAR. This isn't Indy. This isn't F1. I love F1. I've been to an F1 race in Austin, you know, when there were still V8s, you know, God forbid when they still sounded semi-decent. Um, <laughs> But it's amazing, the, the structure, but you never get to go and, you know, walk up to yeah. the car and touch it and talk to the mechanic. You know, that's, it's, that's away from you. Where here, of course, there's racing going on. You know, we would hope you don't get in the way of them fixing the cars, but the, the pits are open full time. You can go in, let's say, you just saw, uh, let's say you just saw Life Motorsports run a flyer and you want to see up close and personal what a rocket ship looks like. You can walk up, up close and personal, take some photos. Uh, Cole Powelson, one of the nicest human beings on the planet, he will happily talk to you. And you actually brought up a, uh, a well-known drifter. Do you guys know Rob Parsons, the chair slayer? Only the name. Yeah, Only we haven't have so met Rob him, but Parsons, yeah. Rob Parsons, of course, he, uh, he got into a motorcycle accident uh, long ago, and he's basically handicapped. So he has spent his whole life since then creating the Chair Slayer Foundation, which is him helping other handicapped people get back behind the wheel of a car. Well, Cole and Life went to World Time Attack Challenge in Australia. The car just got back a week ago, thank God, because if it's, we were getting kind of scared, they're like, hey, you know, we got to make it. Rob was out there with them. They actually put Rob's hand control system in that rocket ship GTR, and Rob set an incredibly fast lap time at Sydney. So they're actually going to be here at COTA co-driving the car. Cole will be driving some sessions. Rob, with the hand controls at America's Pinnacle Track, will be driving the Life Motorsport GTR. Oh, that is awesome. Well, Cuban, I really appreciate you guys getting us up to speed on this. And this uh, superlapbattle.com, I guess, is the best website it's, for this. It's, so it's uh, Superlap Battle USA. That's right. Um, also, for anyone out there that's a Time Attack fan, just know we also have some pro, uh, some Australian drivers coming out. Uh, Brett Dickey of Elusive Racing, they have the fastest club sprint car on the planet, has actually right. shipped their car from Australia. The winner of World Time Attack, Barton Wauer, two years in a row, will be here, and he should be in a U.S. competitor's class uh, car. So, guys, don't forget, superlapbattleusa.com. If you want to know anything on the news, go ahead go there to um, get some tickets. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to shoot us an email or give us a call. Uh, big shout to you guys. Thanks for having us out here, but I promise you this will – in no way be a disappointment if you have no idea what you're walking into if you've never heard of time attack you can walk into this and realize that more it's a family sport it's a grassroots sport but you're going to see some incredibly fast cars i mean life did a 207-181 there last year that's wow. the fastest production-based time i've ever seen in my life that's how um, i did a race lot cars. of research yeah so, yes so the gt3 uh porsche gt3r that runs pearly world challenge did a 205 yeah you know yeah. and that's a production race car well, Cuban, thanks so much, buddy. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll look for you guys in February, and uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks so much for having us, guys. We appreciate it. Super Lab Battle USA. Hope to see you all there. All right. Travel safe, bud. See you, man.
But that, that sounds exciting. That was me last year, walking freshman <laughs> on campus, and it was like, wow, <laughs> look at this. Wait, look at that yeah. everywhere. Look at this, look uh, at that. Oh, that it, happens oh, a lot at Coda, though. Oh, it does. <laughs> we, we have one of the best ones. How about that lap time, Price? That's a spectacular lap time. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to mention the Cuban, but what's cool about the whole premise is that it reminds me of racing when I started, where basically the, the organization that sets the rules says, here's the box. If if it fits in this box, we don't care how you did it. Come on down. Well, that's what this is, and I yeah. love the originality. Yeah, that's cool. Fantastic. Hey, Price, I want to pick your brain, man, because this new we touched on at the very top of the show, but I want to get in in depth a little bit about the uh, you know the ACO and IMSA with the new uh, convergence class that they're talking about. I mean, I guess we talked about this before we went on the air, but but uh, I want to get your take. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I first started all this myself years ago, I know that uh, John Bishop, but particularly the France family, really wanted to make sure that anybody that wanted to race on either side of the pond, frankly, anywhere in the world, could go just pick a race and go. And and that was the way it was at first. The classes were very similar. They may have called it different, but no kidding, the cars all kind of generically fit the rules. Then it, for whatever reason, life has happened Every sanctioning body went its own direction. And, and I think it's kind of disheartening because let's say you're, heck, for example, probably poor example, but Earl Bamber. Well, if the car is the same across anywhere in the world, he can go do it. Porsche, in his case, would be glad to support it. Uh, so let's move up the ladder a bit from there. It's It was almost impossible. You know, you look at the European cars, which were, you know, uh, moon ships, if you will, so yeah. far advanced and crazy and expense. You come to the United States where you can look at Daytona as an example of how competitive they were to each other. Well, that was something that had to happen in the rest of the world. Now that now that IMSA wanted to go towards the DPI-2, I think it was perfect timing with Europe to say, you know what, clearly y'all have a pretty cool uh, angle on this racing. We want to do this other thing. Let's all get together, and here it's going to happen. Yeah, it's official now. This is really cool. I love it. I mean, and for all of those, you know, we've, we've seen it in uh, – Moto America, you know, grouping together classes so that Americans can get onto the big stage, things like that, just kind of harmonizing the whole scenario in the stage. I think that's excellent. I, I'm really pleased to see it. I mean, so the bottom line is, is that these guys, if you want to race the same car at the 20, 24 hours of Le Mans, Rolex, Sebring, Spa, uh, Silverstone, whatever, you can now race the same car across the board. I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit of this on IMSA.com because it says uh, the, as a result of the convergence, it's a new class called an LMDH car, all caps LMD little H car, and it's based on a new chassis common to both ACO and IMSA using elements of the Le Mans hypercar and the LMP2 chassis. And it will built, be built by the four current LMP2 manufacturers, Dallara, uh, let's see, Multimatic, Orca, and let's see, well, uh, there's one Ligier, more. right? Yeah, that's who it is. Ligier, there it is. And then the chassis will also be used for the new generation LMP2. The car will use common hybrid curve system on the rear axle. That's kind of cool that we're getting some technology with this too, as as we you know as we should. I mean, the, absolutely. The, the coolest street cars now are, are have, all are, have some kind of a hybrid. Yep, drive, all have yeah. some sort of hybrid. And so obviously, some of the big stuff's going to happen. the The details are going to be released in March at C, at Super Sebring. So we'll hear about that, but this is this is really big news and really cool. It's big news in our whole in the cross motorsports. I know that manufacturers are keyed up as well. 
because they too want to don't want to have to spend money in different areas for the same end goal of the game. Right. Now they can right. one bucket take the car anywhere in the world is good. Well, you know, yeah, you know, we were talking the other night about uh, the Lotus, the '62 Lotus Formula I saw out at Chaparral Racing that essentially was the same car, no matter which class you were in. It, for the most part, boiled down to the power plant. <laughs> you know, Colin Chapman, pretty that. smart there. Very similar. And back in the days when there was a, a, a manufacturer called March. Uh, Chris Amon and others were part of that deal. Max Mosley, uh, the uh, the chassis were so similar, they just changed the engine. Yeah, that was it. Swap it out. All right, guys. Well, we got to wrap it up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our guests coming on the show. Thank you, Price Cobb, for coming in. Look Anytime. him up. Tread Connection. Go get your tires changed the easy way. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. See you.